You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Greetings, listeners of The Worship Review, the podcast that critically and charitably evaluates the lyrics of songs that are sung in Christian churches. As ever, I am Colin, your reliable, faithful co-host of the podcast, and I am joined as ever by the reliable and faithful Tyler. Tyler, what do you do these days? I still research. Only you get paid more money to do so, which is nice. Tyler went out and got a real job, which I still have yet to do at age 41. So I I prefer to think of it as honest work. (laughs) We are evaluating today the song, Holy, Holy, Holy. There's no particular version. As far as I know, the original version is written by Reginald Huber or Heber. Heber? He did so in the early 19th century, 1820s, and it is a song that many of you have no doubt heard or perhaps even sung in your churches. Tyler, you picked this song. We are talking about excellent songs, songs that we deem to be you know, of, of the highest quality that we would review on the podcast. And the reason probably that we're doing this, we never talked about this, but the reason we're probably doing this is because so many of the songs we review, there's something wrong with them, uh, something substantial. And we just didn't want to be a bunch of complainers. And so we tried to bring some songs that we actually, at least one of us thought was pretty darn good. Tyler, you brought this one. What's going on in the song? Oh, Colin, this is just one of my favorite hymns. I can remember singing it from a young age and being moved by it then, even though some of the language was archaic contemplating the triunity of God, so uh, God in three persons. There aren't many songs that emphasize that clearly, and this one does it really, really well. And it's it emphasizes another attribute of God that I don't think we see get much emphasis anymore, and that is his holiness, his separateness, his mm. the, the, the weight of his glory. It's pretty cool <laughs> i guess it, it, to to put it mildly it, it just it touches areas that a lot of worship music doesn't and it does it in a really elegant and potent way sweet well our shtick on this podcast is to go through each set of lyrics painful as it may be sometime but maybe that won't be the case with this song tyler let's go through them verse 1 
Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. And what I'm not communicating with the way I'm saying this is that there are exclamation marks at the end of three out of the four of those lines. Tyler, what you got for me on this? Okay, so yeah, as you said, these are really shouted. There's There are ex- exclamation points here, and it's hard to even read it without hearing the song ascend melodically, the dum, 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 dum. So when you hear, when you read this, um, you can kind of hear the song rising in pitch as well as rising in amplitude. And I, th- so this has holy thrice that is thrice holy um in biblical hebrew things that are repeated thrice are are intensified so we have this super um this absolute holiness of god emphasized here his perfect holiness here and he's i i like all three of the names of god named here lord god and almighty so we have at our high king we have our deity and we have the all-powerful one here all in one god so i like that i think there's also perhaps a cleverness to the thrice holy here where it emphasizes the blessed trinity and we have holy three times iterated our song shall rise to you addressed directly that is to the um, second person singular and that's important right second person singular one god in three persons um early in the morning our song shall rise to you holy 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 he is we see the mightiness come back here in the third line but it's paired with his mercy which i, I think like is that. important it's not it's not just mighty and distant and angry at sin or something like that but he's actually merciful and mighty and of course poetically it's nice because it alliterates but that's not really what we do on this podcast god in three persons blessed trinity so there's a there's a lot packed into that verse and i know that the these and the thous are outdated but as i said a moment ago it is important that the was used and not you because the is singular it's second person singular so good yeah i don't have much more to say i mean these are straight out of scripture we see the thrice holy chanting from the throne room of god in both isaiah and revelation so it's you know we've already got a very um we've got a line uh, we've got a stanza that alludes to what we see in scripture. Yeah, and, and there's a I think there's some references here as well, like Psalm 63, early in the morning, my soul early will I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land without water. So, I think there I it's it's biblical. That's all I'm going to say.
stanza two also begins with holy, holy, holy. Then all the saints adore thee, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea, cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, who wert and art and evermore shall be. Tyler, I'm glad I have a linguist with me on the podcast. There's a few words that are a little strange. Yeah, so I like that you mentioned that this verse begins with holy, holy, holy. Spoiler alert, all the verses do. Um, All the saints adore thee, God, Lord God Almighty, and they cast down their golden crowns. This comes, of course, from the book of Revelation, chapter 4, where the elders fall down before him, and they worship him, and they throw their crowns down before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. And so we have... In this verse, not just the elders, but all the saints, so those living, those dead, um, all Christians of all times, adoring the Lord God. And there are even cherubim and seraphim falling down before him, so these um, angelic beings. And then the who, word, and art, or even in the archaic original, which, word, and art, and evermore shalt be. And perhaps to disambiguate, to clarify this a little bit, remember how I was commenting that there's a thee and thou in this song. The verbs here with these T's at the end correspond to a thee and a thou pronoun. So if you could imagine here, they fall down before you, singular, who, were, singular, and are singular and shall forever be so it's pointing to a second person that is a direct address of a person and it's saying you were and you are and you shall be forever it's moving through the past the present and the future and speaking of his being it does yeah it really does that really clarifies i think yeah just the use of of language here in what is you know, a very powerful, uh, I, I guess I use that term a lot, but I guess that is what it is. I mean, it's it's pulling directly out of scripture, this vision that John sees of all of the 24 elders just, you know, throwing down their, their crowns in worship. And even then the cherubim and seraphim also falling down. And again, it just goes back to something that I said in the last episode, which was heaven is about glorifying God and thanking him and worshiping him. And this stanza really captures that. I think it's also pointing to another point in Revelation, the very beginning, um, where in Revelation 1.8, the Lord God says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega who is and who was and who is to come. So when, when we see these three verbal tenses, it's reflecting that concept as well. Yeah who were in the past, are in the present, and shall be in the future, right? All right, stanza number three.
Holy, 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 though the darkness hide thee, though the eye of sinful man thy glory may not see. Only thou art holy, there is none beside thee. Perfect in par and love, excuse me, in love and purity. Uh, so Tyler, this first line, though the darkness hide thee, was something that I sung sometimes without understanding it until later in life. Because it's a little bit odd to think of God like hiding in the darkness. It's similar to the song, My Hope is Built, where there's a line in there about, um, though darkness veils his lovely face, right? And I, I didn't quite understand that. Do you, do you know what's going yes. on there, Tyler? And, there, and then there's a controversy in that song, too, where people are like, it's not veils his lovely face, it seems to hide his face, because it's not really hiding it. It just seems like it is. I, I laughed or chuckled as you were talking, only because you said hiding in the darkness, as if that's something that God is doing. Um, and, of course, that's not what's going on here, and I would say that's just theologically incorrect. Um, God, the the one doing the hiding is the darkness. The darkness is obscuring, is obfuscating, is hiding um, God from us, but we know that God is constant and faithful and true. And so, what I think is happening here, and, and he does, there are times where the Lord does allow us to groan in the wilderness, if, if it, as it were, um, but it is never the case that he ever is hidden from us against his will or against his ability to um, make his face shine upon us. So I think here what's happening is there, as long as we live in a world where Christ has conquered, has defeated sin and Satan and death, but we still live with indwelling sin until that conquest is fully accomplished. There will be times in this life where we experience great suffering and turmoil and trial, and it can appear to us as if we have no hope. And I think that is what this first line is saying of this third verse, that sometimes darkness, in a sense, hides God from us. And then the second line clarifies what's meant, that the eye of sinful man may not see your glory. And there are multiple instances in scripture where um, sinful men are cautioned against looking at God or... um yeah. So, for example, Exodus 33, God says, you cannot see my face because man cannot see me and live. So, as long as, as I was saying, we have indwelling sin in us and we haven't been perfected in glory, um, we cannot look upon God's glory and live. So, I think that's what's going on. What I found that helped me understand this line was uh, a reference in the Psalms, in Psalm 18, and the verse is verse 11, but I think it's context matters. But verse 11 says, he made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds dark with water. And you have to, folks have to remember the historical context 
that's going on around the time that this song is written, the, the way that churches were worshiping was changing quite radically and rapidly at this time. Uh, uh, even just, you know, 30, 40 years prior to this song being written, overwhelming majority of churches were singing psalms and psalms only. And even at the time that this song is written, there are still a lot of churches uh, in England uh, that are uh, singing uh, psalms. And so I halfway wonder if the congregation at the time, the congregations at the time when this song was written would have had less difficulty understanding this than we would because they'd go, they'd have, you know, fresh in their minds images like we see in Psalm 18, where God is revealed in his holy judgment and his, his otherness in many ways and in his power. So just like verses seven to 12 here in Psalm 18, the earth reeled and rocked the foundations of the mountains also trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering his canopy around him, thick clouds, dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. So God is coming in judgment, in fury, in holiness, in anger, in majesty. And so alone, all by itself, you might sing the line, though darkness hide, though the darkness hide thee, um, I I think I wonder if this is alluding to a, a just a, a much larger set of scripture, like the idea of God coming in this glory and holiness, and you know, it's almost like when Jesus says, um, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" And I think you and I have both said, and obviously these are not original ideas to us, that what Jesus is doing is kind of using a phrase to reference an entire psalm, right? He like he's not just saying, God, why have you forsaken me? He's 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 clearly drawing on the opening line of Psalm 22 to encapsulate and really in many ways to declare that that psalm is about him. And there's a lot more in that psalm that illuminates what he means in that moment. I just halfway wonder if that's what the author of this song is trying to do is just trying to, by talking about the darkness, he's alluding to, and as far as I know, this is the only point in scripture where we see God uh, appearing in this way, where where darkness is his covering, it is under his feet, and is is just all around him, and he's and he's coming in this way, but it really evokes a, a, a strong image. So I just wonder if that's what's going on. It doesn't, it doesn't, uh, change anything that you said i think what you said can also be true i just you know i just wonder based on like historical context if maybe that's also what's going on colin i have to say after hearing your thoughts from psalm 18 i'm reconsidering what i said a moment ago and here's why i think part of what i said is completely true that 
the second line informs the first, informs our interpretation of the first. Though the eye of sinful man may not see your glory, though the darkness hide you. So, what, as you say, darkness is used in Psalm 18 to talk about God's covering uh, of his glory. Um, and that's actually for our benefit. That is for our benefit. It's like when he told Moses not to look at him, um, but to look at his back as he walked by, because to look at him would cause him to perish. Um, when Abraham made a covenant with the Lord, there was a flaming torch and a burning pot emitting smoke. Um, when Isaiah sees in Isaiah 6 a vision of God in his throne room, it's said that smoke fills the room. When the Israelites are passing through the desert, we have a pillar of cloud and a pillar mm -hmm. of fire, presumably mm -hmm. emitting smoke. Um, and when God appears on Sinai, it said the whole mountain was covered in smoke because God had come down in Exodus 19. And in okay. Luke 9, when Jesus is transfigured, it says in verse 34, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. <laughs> so All I right. think this cloud, the smoke, which obfuscates, is actually a way to protect us from really the danger of looking upon the glory and the holiness of the Lord um, in our sinful state. Because we would, it would die. Be like, yes, it would be like touching the ark, you know, when it, when it drops when we're, or offering unsanctioned fire uh, to the Lord. So I think that is a better interpretation. Yeah. Okay. Than darkness being kind of the woes of this life. Well, I really appreciate what you said. Cause you, f you filled out quite a bit, uh, even though those other references don't use the word darkness, clearly conceptually, the idea of the cloud, right? The, the covering is, is there. So it's not just this Psalm. This is obviously um, something we see over and over both old and new Testament, both, uh, you know, and also we see with Christ too, at the transfiguration. So that's fantastic. And here we have God is only God is holy. And there is no one beside him. There, he, he has no equal, no rival. There's no threat to his holiness, his greatness. He's perfect. That is complete. He is the apex of power, of love, and of purity. So again, it's mixing images of strength and might, but also images of mercy and grace in together. So, and of, and of course, purity, which is a big part of holiness. So it's just, it's really beautiful clever language clever in a good way i know that british people use clever in a bad way but i'm not british so <laughs> they, they have a, a negative meaning They're to like, all oh, of our positive words she's a clever girl and it's right. like an insult whereas it sounds yeah. like a total compliment <laughs> right or like if they use a word like uh, ambitious oh well that was ambitious right that means <laughs> you know you were you, you did something selfish you ambition have. right no it means that you were like stupid right that you like foolish ambition right i see okay that's what that means but you know that's why the british never really amounted to anything after in the last few hundred years cuz they all their words for positive things they've turned into negative things so yeah i'm not Sorry, ready guys. to go there <laughs> the empire but, on which the sun never set. Yeah, but right? they lost it.
Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Wow. So we have now returning to the first line of the song here in the last stanza, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And then we have the sky, the sea, and the land, all his handiwork, um, everything, all the trees of the field shall, shall clap their hands, right? Everything shall praise his name, the name of the Lord. It's beautiful. It speaks of creation, crying out to glorify God. He's merciful and mighty, and he is the same God as in the first verse. So I think it's good. And it kind of completes the thought. It, it, well, it doesn't complete it. it. It sort of adds to what we see in the rest of the song, which we have the church praising God, and we have uh, the he- you know the the heavenly beings praising God, and then we have in verse four creation praising god amen super uh tyler any closing thoughts about the song no y- yes <laughs> there's a song there's a song by sufjan stevens which i always thought was kind of weird um called holy holy etc and i i just don't get it so if listeners can explain it to me i'd appreciate it i've always liked sufjan stevens he, he does this thing where he he's just kind of deliberately irreverent about some things and so i've just never understood the lyrics to that are holy, 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 Lord God our Almighty. Early in the morning, our song shall rise to thee. There is a sign at the side of thee, hmm. which I've never understood. It's a beautiful, like musically, it's a beautiful um, arrangement, in my opinion. I've just never, never understood it. So if anyone can explain it, please let me know. Is that the only thing that he changes? Um, He doesn't sing all the verses. Ah, it takes out verse three, it looks like. He repeats God in three persons. Does he have like a, a band that sounds like they're like a high school brass section? Are you kidding? That's that's that was kind of his shtick. I know that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> does he does he have like a kind of a wavering? It's a little bit voice like God in three parts. Yeah. Well, and then there's the the falsetto part too. It is a product of its time. I guess I could say. Yeah. I mean, he is a super weird dude. I don't know him. Okay. I have he, nothing to say about he, Sufjan Stevens. Uh, fair enough. I, okay. I don't know. Just listeners. I, I know some of you have to know this song and know this guy. So if you can explain, well, to we've me, we've referenced him several times. So if anyone ever looked him up, even if they didn't know him, could have run into him on our podcast. All right. Uh, I mean, I don't have any concluding thoughts really either. I, okay. Can I? I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, spot. Let's go. 
but I am, you know, whenever you say something like that, you're, you're just going to do the thing that you say you don't want to, or, or not. I don't want to offend you, Colin, but and then say (laughs) something really offensive. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That was really ambitious of you. Oh my goodness. You're clever. Wowzers. So I, my question, Tyler, is this, is this a Trinitarian song? Cheeky, Colin, cheeky. Um, Okay. Just let me just let me preface this question by saying the song does not have to be a Trinitarian song. And also, if you listen to the rest of the other you know episodes that Tyler and I have recorded, we think it's nice when songs are Trinitarian, but this is not like a requirement that a song be excellent. Okay, so if I may, a, a Trinitarian song should be monotheistic and one which at the very least, does not transgress the notion that God is three persons, exists in three persons. Okay, really? Because that seems like a that seems like a weak standard. So I'm all yes, it is. I'm just setting a lower bound on a Trinitarian sign because I I can see maybe what you want to see is a verse dedicated Hold on. to by by that definition like any hillsong song is a trinitarian song because it, it speaks of one god and it just simply doesn't like deny that there's a trinity so that that's not a meaningful standard okay well then i will abandon standard making for <laughs> trinitarian songs and just say okay this is definitely a trinitarian song because it lays out the doctrine of the trinity god in three persons one god which it doesn't say one, but the one is implied by the use of the, which is a singular pronoun, um, the verbs that are conjugated for the second person singular, um, addressing the Lord God Almighty as God in three persons, blessed Trinity. I would say this is a Trinitarian song. Okay. So I'm not going to deny that it's a Trinitarian song either, and I agree with you that it is. But I will say... I I wished, this is a wish for the song, not necessarily a criticism of the song. I wished that it would do, have done more with the idea of the Trinity. It seems like the song mentions the Trinity, like, okay, God in three persons, that is the Trinity that makes, I do agree, that makes the song explicitly trinitarian by make by saying that and that alone is fine of course to make it a trinitarian song but it's a shame that like i don't know there's no reference to the holy spirit there's no reference to christ um that's at least super clear and explicit i i just i kind of wish that there would be there's nothing else kind of in the structure of the song that lends itself to Trinitarianism. I know the holy, 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 you know, it's it's easy and I think reasonable to connect that, or that you know, to the Trinity just by means of the number. But I don't know. I just kind of, I wish, I wish that the song would have done more with that theme. I think sometimes this song gets too much credit, like it's a like the most amazing Trinitarian song ever. And there are actually some songs that are much uh they dwell more upon the importance and the majesty and the mystery of the trinity and this song i would actually i would put those i would say those songs tend to be more more better <laughs> more better to say i don't know what to say that was I, you know, I just i just think this song is sort of like it clears the bar as trinitarian but 
you know, doesn't do much more than that. Again, not a criticism. I think it does more than clear the bar. But well, we already heard what your I bar was. What you're saying succinctly as it declares that God is one God in three persons, yes. but it does not name any of the three persons. Nor does it really amplify on the I, the kind of identity and meaning of those three persons, which I would have liked to see. Like if you took out the God in three persons part, you would just say this is a song about, which is great. This is a song about God's holiness. This is a song about God's worthiness to be praised. And that's fantastic. But I, it is, but it, it is a song about God's holiness and worthiness to be praised that also mentions the Trinity. That's the way I would, I just think sometimes this song gets a lot of credit that it doesn't necessarily deserve. All right. But let me just stress test your criticism here. Would you apply that same standard to the other attributes mentioned here? Like his mercy. Does it go into detail about what his mercy looks like or no. what his might no. looks like? No, it doesn't. But the difference is that nobody says like if you asked a group of Christians, what is a what is like a the quintessential song about God's mercy? None of them would say holy, holy, holy. But if you polled a group of Christians and said, just just name the song that first comes to mind when you think of the Trinity, I guarantee you, many, you know, survey says holy, holy, holy will be the number one or the number two answer. But I just don't I don't necessarily think that's merited. Hmm. Why do you think that is? I think because it's an older song, and I think there's a, a mnemonic, is that the word? I'm, mnemonic? There's a, the holy, holy, holy line is so memorable that, and it just lends itself to the, the thing that is said at the end of both the first and the fourth stanza of God in three persons, blessed Trinity. There's just an obvious numerical connection, which is simple, kind of elegant. And so it just, people just make that connection without necessarily thinking about what the whole song's about. Like I guarantee you in guides to, and, and these exist like guy, like when to use what song, I guarantee you that in those guides, uh, under, you know, sermons that are preached about the Trinity, uh, songs to use, I guarantee you that this song shows up. But all it does is mention that God is triune in the same way that it mentions, like you said, that God is merciful or God is mighty. The song is really about God's holiness and his worthiness, that everything will praise God. Oh, Tyler, what did you give the song? Hold on. I just want to say, <laughs> this song does more to emphasize... God's unity in the Trinity than many songs which do explicitly name the three persons of the Trinity, right? So, uh, in that sense, it is a Trinitarian song more than many other songs. So, songs may talk about the Holy Spirit and they may talk about Jesus Christ, but they might not say one God in three persons, right? But this song does, and I would say that does objectively make it a Trinitarian song in a way that those other songs aren't. It is definitely a Trinitarian song, for sure. All right, fine. I'm satisfied. Uh, I give this song five out of five belting preachers, because I can remember <laughs> at the uh, at a church I used to go, there's a 
pastor and he used to sing very loudly from the front row. And uh, I could always pick out his voice. He has a very distinctive voice. And he just loved this song. He loved singing it. And then, you know, it was early in the morning. And so there, there's a kind of, you know, the, the, there's something about singing this song on a Sunday morning that is different than singing a song on a Friday night when it says early in the morning our song should rise to the I don't know what it is. It's like a performative truth or something like that about this song. Yeah. And I can hear his voice and I hope for the rest of my life I'll still be able to remember him singing this song because it's a beautiful uh, moment in my memory and in my, yeah, it's it's like a weird little snapshot of a beautiful moment in my Christian life and I hope I never forget it. Colin, what did you give it? Uh, I also gave it five out of five Nicaeas. And that is because not only is the song Trinitarian, which it is, and mentions the Trinity, making it therefore Trinitarian, but it is to the tune of Nicaea, which is a, you know, it's, so it's great, which Nicaea, which I'm sure most people know this, but maybe you don't. The It was in the Council of Nicaea, both two times, <laughs> two times in Nicaea, that the um, Trinitarian view was held up as the Orthodox view, as opposed to Arianism, the view that the, that Christ and God the Father are not co-equal, co-substantial, co-eternal, etc. That's heresy. It is heresy. It is indeed. Uh, yeah, right. this the pastor I can remember, he's got a he's got this um Washington State accent. And so I can still hear the way he he sings some of these words um in my head. I don't know. It, it's like and it's little things like saying dragon instead of dragon and stuff like that. And bag instead of bag but th- he had these really wide diphthongs for like the eye diphthong for him it was like more of an eye so it would be like merciful and mighty m- mighty i don't know i just have his uh voice stuck in my head but well thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode of the worship review we hope that if you're a first-time listener, that you'll continue to listen to the podcast, and we hope that you long-time listeners have got what you paid for, which is nothing. So maybe this wasn't a good podcast. If you want the quality to improve, you might consider donating to the Worship Review, which you can do so on a link found, I'm sure, on our website, theworshipreview.com. You can also do so... Well, well, just go there, I guess. I'm sure you can find a way to donate. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can send us an email, feedback at theworshipreview.com. You can tell your friends. You can tell your brother. You can tell your mother. You can tell others about us. Don't delay. Let people know. Tell your spouse. Yeah, this is a secret you should not keep from your spouse. Let your spouse know. And in fact, the Worship Reviews audience is almost dead even, at least as far as our metrics tell us, between men and women, which I think is a pretty rare feat. Do you want to hear, uh, maybe listeners might find this interesting. We, I don't think we've ever talked about this since our uh, big one per country series, but <laughs> maybe it'd be worth ta- telling our listeners kind of what they, uh, what they look like. So 
Uh, 44% of you are from the United States. Only 44% of you. Wow. So we are a majority outside the United States podcast. Yeah. That's incredible. 15% are South African, 6% are UK, 5% Nigeria, 4% Canada, and descending from there. About half of you listen on Spotify, a quarter on Apple Podcasts, and then the other quarter is divvied up. Um, wow, the web browser people are here, 8% of our listenership. Really? Uh, yep. We're at 50.8% female, which is roughly the split in the general population, yeah. actually. Wow. Um, we have achieved what so many cannot achieve. We've got like rep- equal representation, proportional you know, to the population. We've always really prided ourselves on being able to speak for everyone. Our so DEI efforts have worked, Tyler. We also have a roughly even spread in listenership in the sense that about 20% of most of the major podcast listening age brackets listen. So we've got 20% between 23 and 27 years old, 20% between 28 and 34 years old, 20% between 35 and 44, and 20% 45 to 59. So that middle block there of age, the age histogram is pretty flat, actually. Um, And 60 plus and 18 to 22 make up about 10% each. So We've got a pretty widespread. It's, you know, I don't think we are appealing to a singular niche along age lines or gender lines um, or even geographic lines. I guess maybe Anglophone would be our one pigeonhole, as it were. I've sp- yeah. spoken to people who don't speak English and they're like, well, I'm never going to listen to your podcast. And I say, that's completely fair. You don't speak English. So, and our top episodes. Um, still, some of those ones we did by African stars, um, Oceans is now in the top five. Bethel's Goodness of God is now in the top five. Well, listeners, thank you for listening to that, too. And now I will bid you adieu. Uh-huh-huh-huh-huh. You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at Anchor FM slash The Worship Review and Patreon.com slash The Worship Review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>